Welcome everyone back to the Sandalanch podcast. This week we are doing chapters 8 to 11 of Mistborn Book 2, The Well of Ascension. I am Dak, and with me this week is... Jamie. Joe. And Dina. Alrighty, so in these chapters we get a bit of everything. There's action scene, there's road movie, there's politics, and then there's another big action scene and a massive cliffhanger for the rest of the book. <laughs> so without further ado, let's move in. The Sandlanch is about to begin. Elders tell us, keepers of the bottom, treasures of the dirt. Russian string, we scribble and sing, and dig for the annals of the earth. And we try, try, try to keep a little beauty in the world. Yeah, so we did another four chapters this week, and just in case anyone's wondering, it's down to two for next week, so that just shows the variability that we're going to be dealing with this book. But what did you guys think of these four chapters? Yeah, again, I'm enjoying the chapters. I'm enjoying learning a bit more of what's happening now. I thought it was kind of interesting to see Ellen and his assembly arguing it out, and I was like, yep, okay. You've really gone the other direction. <laughs> Everyone's got too much too much input by the sounds of it. So maybe a bit of trouble brewing there. I did like that we had a bit more interaction with the Watcher. I, I like that he's coming back into play fairly quickly. I also like that Vin is uh, sort of softening a little bit to Orsor as well. Him not so much to her, but I was like, hey, at least you're sort of coming around, um, seeing some positives, which is nice. And, of course, yeah, that cliffhanger. So, yeah, I, I had fun. <laughs> okay. Uh, these chapters, they weren't the worst chapters I've ever read. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, glowing, they were glowing No, they, they were good. I'm, I'm just joking. Yeah, the, the eighth chapter was kind of slow. And, man, when you said the ninth chapter was short, you weren't kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's true. I was kind of like, wait, wait, wait. That's it? That's the last Okay, that's the end of the chapter. Okay, we're moving on. I almost feel like at this point he's writing his book like a movie. It's like that was just a scene that they shot on the same day they shot the other stuff with with uh, Sazed and Marsh, and they're like, oh, let's put this here. That's that's almost how it felt reading reading that chapter in the middle of the mm. other ones. But no, I, I really enjoyed these chapters. The cliffhanger at the end gave me some ideas about possible predictions, so um, when we get there, I'll... I'll be excited to to share that. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be the big prediction for this episode, I'm sure, is uh, mm-hmm. what's going on there. Um, yeah, no, I enjoyed these. Yeah, I liked finally getting some interaction with the Watcher. It was good to see Breeze come back. Um, and I know we always bag Breeze out, but I've gotten very fond of him, so it's good to see him again. But yeah, yeah, it's and it's cool that we figured out the uh, Duralamin. That was a really cool way to put it all in. Good use by Vin. I thought it was a really cool action scene when she finally figured that out and got it right. Yeah, what did you guys think of that? I guess it was kind of, sort of in line with what we predicted, but maybe not quite exactly. I mean, it was... I, I think Joe was on the right track. Like He was saying that he, he was on the road that it was going to expand on the reserves. It didn't really do that, but it just amplified what you had. So I guess similar sort of thing, and it, yeah, it all, it all panned out really well. I also really liked that it was a bit like Adium in that it's it, it is finite as well. So, you know, there, there is a cost to using it 
and it will use uh, the, the rest of your reserve for whatever metal you're amplifying. So it amplifies it, but the cost is that is it. You lose it. So if you've got nothing else, there's still a bit of a risk in there for you. So I, I thought that was really good. Again, uh, enjoying that there's, uh, you know, some thought put into into this magic, I guess. Yeah, I was I was almost kind of shocked because it's not really an opposite, right? It's like one one side of it just takes all the metal away. The other one burns it and exhausts it outward really quickly. It's it's not an exact opposite effect. It's just different because mm. they both consume mm. it. One leaves it as nothing, and the other burns it all completely really quickly. And but but at the same time gives you the energy or whatever you the the the, the exchange whatever you call it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess if you're thinking of it in terms of like a push and a pull, then I guess like the aluminum would have to be pulling. Like it's pulling all of your metal in power away and then the other one is a push it's like pushing it to go more strongly i don't know that's a it's an interesting point they're really not like opposites uh, but i like jamie's point that uh it there's a cost benefit here and that's in addition to the fact that duralumin is made from aluminum which is super expensive in and of itself so it's it's just like anything else it was the first lesson that kelsier taught her was about consequences like if you push this then that happens and you have to know the consequences of what you're going to do. Mm. Okay, I guess let's get into these. At the beginning of Chapter 8, we have the epigraph is about poor Elendi, and Quan is feeling bad for him, and uh, for what he has been forced to become. So he betrayed him, but he, he feels bad about it. He's like, I still like the guy. He's just not the hero, I guess, is the deal. Or Quan doesn't think so, anyway. Which is interesting that it's not just outright hatred, because that's the impression we got last time. Like, Quan supported him until he didn't, and then was completely against him. Which is still true, but it's not out of, like, hatred personally. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely seems to be, like... What, in the last one, he was talking about how uh, he's going to kill him because he's he's not, a, like, an evil man, but he's... Uh, what did he say? Ruthless. A ruthless one, Yeah. And so I guess it's sort of that same thing where he's like, he had to go through all this to become like this ruthless guy. So Vin is uh, flying through the sky, hopping around because of the, uh, sorry, she was, uh, she's trying to see. Yeah. Cause at the end of the last time we saw her, she was like, let's see if you can keep up with me, wolfhound or sewer. And it turns out that he kind of can, even, even when she's like intentionally trying to lose him. She's like, ha, he'll never get up here. He shows up, he's like, wait a second, how did you... But... <laughs> I'm on a roof. <laughs> or Sears, like, you know, they're both singing, anything you can do, I can do better. <laughs> I can do better. <laughs> and she's like, no, you can't. He's like, yes, I can. I thought of the absolute worst pun when reading this section. I was like, man, he's really stubborn. He's like a dog with a bone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is pretty bad. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was. I felt dirty when I, when I thought of that. You felt dirty? Like, for, for coming out with a pun. Puns are awful. Like You should be ashamed of coming out with puns like that. <laughs> yeah, but why dirty? I feel like that's a different thing. <laughs> puns are unclean. also a dirty pun. It, oh, there's, okay. a, there's a bone involved. You know, come on. Read between the lines, dude. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I guess I'm confused because you didn't say a dog with a thick book. So I, was, <laughs> I didn't understand the, what we were talking about. 
No, that's that's like next chapter. Ellen's gonna rock up with his own dog. It's like, look what I got. I also like how. Uh, <laughs> Never mind. No, just I'm 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 going. We're just. Oh, oh was God. that was that a joke? I don't I don't understand. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize, <laughs> listeners. Does that make you feel dirty as well, or no? No, that one's stupid. <laughs> I was gonna say, I like how Orser immediately understands. He's like, "You really seem like you were trying to lose me there. Are, are you sure that there's not something else going on here?" And she's like, "What? Me? Try to? Why would I do that? I, I'm just doing what I do every night, dog guy." Red thirteen. I want to call him Red thirteen because after Joe said that last time, it's just. Uh, uh, yeah, deep, why don't you go for a deep cut and call him Nanaki? Nah, I'm good. No. But it turns out that uh, Dog Body is uh, pretty good. He's like, I jumped on some shorter buildings and got onto this one from there, and this body's actually, it has a really keen sense of smell, and in fact, all of the senses are quite keen. And it kind of makes me wonder, because back in uh, in the Final Empire, when we first met the uh, Mist Wraith, Kelsier mentions to Vin that they don't see well, but they have a really keen sense of smell. So I'm wondering if, like, the Conjurer are also, like, smell-centric a lot of the time? I don't I, I don't know. It's just a thought that I had. Possibly. I mean, because, like, it's not using the eyes of whatever they've taken over the body of. It's They just they constructed that themselves, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, he's already got... I was thinking... I thought he's got dog's eyes, so they're not very good vision, but, uh, yeah, it wouldn't really matter because he's got to just build them anyway, so it'd be no different from any other eyes they've got to build. Yeah, it was probably, like, the voice box thing. It's like he could memorize some eyes, but after he's eaten enough eyes, he can, like, remember how to make good ones or something, just like he could remember how to make a voice box and shove it into uh, the dog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so she's uh, she's hopping around, seeing what's going on out in the middle of the night and still wondering, you know, how this Duralumin works. And she even has the uh, the same thought. She's like, if it's the opposite of aluminum, which made metals disappear, maybe this one makes them last longer. So she basically got there by logicking it out the same way that we did, which is kind of funny, I thought. I mean, that's basically how she figured out the, uh, the was the molassium. Yeah, that's true. She was like, okay, so I know the other metals do this. This has to be paired to one of them, so it must be doing X, Y, Z. So, yeah. That's a, I guess that's one of the benefits of Alamancy working on a very like logical progression or a logical kind of chart is that you can make guesses about what some of this other stuff is going to be and get them pretty close. Yeah. And then she sees the Watcher and she's like, oh, tonight I am catching you, Watcher. And they have a whole chase where he seems to be teasing her like, hey, can you catch me? And jumps around. She's following him. It's a very... I don't know. It's kind of a fun scene because it's like flying around in the mist, but it's not like a fight. Yeah, it's there's mystery but no danger. Of course, we don't know who the Watcher is, so I guess there could have been lots of danger for all we knew uh, first time through. Yeah, but the gen- the general mood of the scene doesn't lend itself to danger. It just seems like it's just going to be a fun chase. Mm, it's true. Uh, but she thinks that this guy is really good, maybe even better than Kelsier at how he's jumping around. And Kelsier's, like, in her experience, that's that's the top. You can't get better than Kelsier. And she has to remind herself that he was only training for a couple of years before uh, he died, basically. So there might be people out there much better. Because, like, that last Mistborn she fought didn't seem, like, particularly great. And she says she hasn't really fought. She says that this guy's better than any Mistborn that she had known or faced. So 
maybe even with just a couple of years, Kelsier was pretty top notch, or maybe she just hasn't faced any top flight Mistborn yet. This but sort she... of lends more to my theory that it's Gemmel because who trained Kelsier in the Iron, Iron Paul and Steel Push, whichever one it is, I can always forget. And Kelsier didn't want anything to do with those powers initially. Gemmel was on who forced him to use them and thus made him a prodigy. So Gemmel mm. himself would also be a prodigy. So Yeah, one would have to assume. The brief description we get of this guy when she gets up close to him does not sound much like Gemmel, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Uh, it also had the whole I'm insane thing, and we always yeah, talk about whether, whether Gemmel is or is not insane. So you're that not seems wrong. like a big hint. Yeah, whoever this guy is, he's a creep. <laughs> <laughs> okay hold on the rooftops yeah, we're, watches people we're gonna get there in a second and then you can tell us uh what what makes him a creep but i like that she she's like oh i have this secret power that nobody knows about to pierce copper clouds there's no way that he could know so i will use this to catch him and she totally finds him where he's hidden and she's like oh he must have scouted this out beforehand he intended to lose me here but i got him now and then she tries the dural lumen and that turns out to have been a bad idea. It's like well, that's one way to figure it out. Yeah, that's I mean, yeah. I mean, it just it doesn't do her any favors here because it enhances her tin to the point that like her heartbeat is so loud that it is like explosions in her ears and just completely knocks her down. Yeah, all of her tin is gone in basically an instant, as well as the other metals she was burning, which uh, I think she mentions pewter and bronze. They're both gone as well, and she was kind of on the ground for at least a couple seconds there long enough that the guy noticed something was wrong, left his hiding spot and made his way up to the roof. But Orsur is also there. So he actually uh, followed pretty well. He's just looking at it. just like, what are you doing? <laughs> He's like, mistress, do you require assistance? <laughs> Not quite. He seems, I mean, he's, he's being really helpful tonight. I, uh, I guess, I don't know doesn't seem that helpful. It seems just creepy. <laughs> <laughs> he even brought her belt, like, full of metal vials. He's like, here you go. Yeah, I guess he's a good dog. <laughs> <laughs> good dog. Uh, I think they're, they're both sort of surprised at how well things are working out. Yeah, with the dog's body in particular, I think you're right. It's mm. like, hey, this is... He was really upset about it, and she didn't want him around, and now all of a sudden it's like, hey, this is... Actually, this is kind of working. He's kind of proving Ellen's point in that, hey, Vin, there's a good reason for you to take him with you at night. And you just, you don't want that. It's the boyfriend being proven right. Jeez. <laughs> and then the uh, the Watcher is standing right there. She turns around, or Orser is like, mistress, and she turns around, and it says that he looked familiar for some reason. He had a lean face topped with dark hair, and his head was cocked slightly in confusion. So, lean face, dark hair... Gemmel was like white hair, crazy, like Afro looking thing in the one picture that we saw. But I don't remember if he had a yeah, lean face. Yeah, but he could have dyed his hair. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's why I said, like, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. But he and he also looked familiar for some reason. So uh, whatever that is about. But OK, so this is all the description we get of him, basically, except for him telling us that uh, he is an enemy and that he's crazy. So what do you guys think now that we have met the Watcher? It's quite a mystery. It didn't help alleviate the mystery any when we finally met him. <laughs> no, I think it's it's sort of, I guess, heightened my curiosity because we've got, you know, this this picture of this sinister, shady character just watching, but also sort of helping Vin previously, and now they're they're toying with each other, 
And then he's like, you know, outwardly declaring he's an enemy, but he's insane. And I was like, well, like, are you, are you an enemy or not? What, what exactly is your purpose here? You're not here to kill me. You would have done it and could have done it by now. And yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of him. I don't, I think Vin's right in not to trust him, you know, immediately. And like she said, she reserves that for, you know, her friends. She's taken the time to, to know them and learn them and trust them. She mm. can't just outwardly trust this guy, but. Yeah, who is he? Yeah, I'm still leaning on the, I think this is Gemmel. Because, I mean, Kelsey was the only one who ever met him previously, so I feel like that would mean that no one else is going to recognise him from the crew. So it doesn't matter if he bumps into Doxon or uh, Ham or the rest, because they don't know who he is. When Vin says he looks familiar for some reason, I feel like he probably was one of the Scar who cornered her in the market, saying, like, Lady Air, what are you going to do for us now? Sort oh. of thing. So he was kind of um, subtly scouting. Because I feel scouting. like that's, that's a way for him to approach her in the day-to-day life and, and you know, just sort of get a feel for her outside of when she's not suspecting a fight or a chase or something like that. But the the whole, because I'm also insane, makes me think this is Gemmel because they apply that label to him so much and he, I think he <laughs> played into it quite a bit. Gemmel was so against Kelsia's little tricks, though. Like, he was like, well, you're a Mistborn. You know, you use these Mistborn powers. Do you think he's would have learned to adapt to what Kelsey was talking about, you know, using some of those little con man traits? Like, do you really think you would find Gemmel in the marketplace? Maybe because now Kelsey's tricks have brought down the Empire and Gemmel might just go, holy shit, that was actually a good idea the whole time. So he might have adapted on the fly. Plus, it's mm. been a few years since that story where we met Gemmel to now. So... Who knows, more stuff might have happened to him that sort of distracted him and taken him, like, made him more open to those sort of ideas, yeah. I guess. He lost his favorite fork, and <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to find another no, one. Kelsey stole the fork and gave it to Vin, and now he's just yeah. like, I want my fork back. <laughs> you give, ate me my, <laughs> give me my fork! <laughs> um, I don't know. This guy's just, he's, he, he gives me the creepy vibes. Uh and when you tell somebody that you're insane, I feel like either you are obviously insane oh, so. or there's something there's something happening to you to make you think you're crazy. Whatever whatever is going on, I think this guy's bad news. I don't I don't know that it, I don't know that I agree that it's Gemmel. I think whoever this dude is, he's got some bad stuff going on. Vin at least doesn't buy into him being insane. She feels that just looking in his eyes, she can tell that he's not insane. So she thinks he's playing some sort of game, even by just saying that. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. So yeah, we we meet the guy, and it doesn't answer a lot of questions, which I, I think that we learned from the last book that that's also part of the style early on in the book, is like, you get what you want, and you still don't have any actual answers. That happened with Alamancy for a little while, where we're like, oh, we want to know what this is about. And then it comes up, and you're like, okay, well, you showed me, but you didn't actually tell me anything. See, every time we ask about the ninth medal. Yeah, well. But uh, at the same time, Vin is kind of drawn to this guy in some ways, because, like, she she says, her instincts are warning her, don't be wary, don't trust this guy. And at the same time, she kind of wants to trust this guy, partly because she doesn't have any other Mistborn to talk to. Nobody really gets what being a Mistborn is all about. Since Kelsier died, she doesn't have uh, her Mistborn buddy. She has no Mistborn friends. Very sad. 
Yeah, you know, well, she could have been friends with Sean, but she killed him pretty good. <laughs> I don't think they could have been friends. It seems unlikely. Yeah, I guess. No one is friends with Sean. Not even Sean. Yeah, it's like a Draco Harry situation. It's like, nah, they 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 weren't ever gonna be friends. Yeah. No, even if Harry had been Slytherin, it probably it wasn't gonna happen. And then he asks, "Did you really kill him?" And she just says, "Yes." He's like, "There's only one person you could be talking about." Well, it's him with a capital H. Yeah. You you, you can't see the capital H when he's saying it to you, but uh, yeah. That or um, he could be talking about the Wolfhound. <laughs> did you kill the dog did you kill my dog <laughs> jeez he was following th- her through the market and saw her punch the dog and he's like oh my god did you kill him yeah oh. she's like no it's right here look I'm training to talk <laughs> that would be really impressive for one day's work of training a dog he's like this seems unlikely but I guess I, I buy it I'm insane after all oh yeah exactly he's like oh my gosh talking to dog <laughs> All dogs just talk to this guy. Did you not know? <laughs> and then he's, he asks, why do you play their games? And she says, whose games? And he just gestures towards Venture. So he... That, that could also be a um a hint to Gemmel, because like Jamie was saying earlier, he regards Kelsey's moves as tricks and games. And I'm like, oh, games again. I'm applying this theory however I can, damn it. Your, your, your oh, game theory? Three, you're ready for another volcano theory. I've already got trees. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta well, you gotta up it up the ante this book since it's the second book. You need, you need double. Gamel controls the trees. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, <is> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as, as he's walking out the scene, he just goes, "I am Groot." <laughs> no, it's just like a highly evolved tree, like a highly evolved mist wraith. What? Well like, well, like, Groot's not? Mm. Say more than Groot. <laughs> Walking down the street, I am Groot, and she goes, what was that? He's like, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? No, I said, I'm a brute. <laughs> but uh, then he just leaves. He's like, okay then, uh, bye. He doesn't say bye. He's crazy. All right, He's All right you're killing my buzz, I'm a bounce. <laughs> it kind of like it says that he what he shakes his head as if disappointed and then pulls a coin and leaves using the coin. So yeah, he he it kind of reads that way. It's like, Ugh, okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> you're bringing me down. And Orser's like, you're letting him go. So, I I don't know. Orser apparently thinks that she should hunt him down. I don't I don't know what. I guess maybe Orser saw the chase and was like, oh, we're not still chasing. Okay, whatever. Fetch, fetch. <laughs> And then uh, we find out she says that she wants to get a harness so they can carry some metals. And he says, oh, that's not necessary. Look, I can just, like, open a hole in my flesh and you can stick something in there. And then I can cover it up for when you need it later. Oh, boy, that was gross. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I was reading it. I was like, no, no, no. (laughs) And I like how I like how Vince just like, oh, yeah, that'll be useful. She's not like, oh, that's kind of nasty. Right. she she drinks out of those. She should be putting her mouth on that. Oh, that's a good point that I hadn't considered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she totally does. I think they're, they're, aren't they in like an alcohol solution or something? It's probably fine. Uh, yeah, but yeah, she's okay. going to put her mouth on the tube. Uh, yeah, you know, it's just, 
I'm, I'm not going to delve into that any deeper because I had never thought of that before, <laughs> and now you got me thinking of that, and I don't want to. So little travel doggy water bottle things. You know, you can just put that on a harness too and just rinse it off before you drink the vial. It'll yep. be fine. Yeah, or just like you know, it's tie just... like a fanny pack around him. Do something else. Well, yeah, but <laughs> which, which brings us back to the harness. <laughs> In this case, and it turns out to be really useful because you can't push on the metal that's inside him, so an enemy Alamancer wouldn't even know there's metal there until he... Why is that dog carrying around a vial full of metals? Haha, <laughs> sucks it into his chest! So, uh, so you have to yeah. imagine, like, if someone's watching this, they see the tube, like, just gets put on the dog and gets sucked into his shoulder, and that guy's just like, oh, I need to quit drinking. <laughs> Maybe the watcher's, like, hanging out a little, little ways away and, like, monitoring what went on after he left he's like oh that's what did you do to my dog <laughs> i just like, like oh man i really am insane that was disgusting <laughs> i i, I want to keep this running joke now that the watcher thinks orsor is his dog <laughs> <laughs> hey man that's my dog <laughs> oh gosh okay yeah nice marmot wait <laughs> You know, keeping keeping in the quad aquatic rodent in city for domestic purposes. <laughs> Not legal either. Anyway, she she thanks him, which is probably the first time she's ever said something nice. A thank you, and he's like, "It's the contract. Don't thank me." He's like, "I don't want your thanks. I don't care. Your I'm thanks make me feel as dirty as Dax puns. Yeah, <laughs> dirtier even. Yeah, yeah. I need to quit those." <laughs> and then we get the uh, the second epigraph, which is uh, him talking about when he first met Elendi in the great city of Clenium. This doesn't say the great city, but we know from other uh, from previously that Clenium was a big city. He was a young lad, not yet warped by a decade spent leading armies. That's that's nice. We know that I, I I guess he told us in the previous book that he'd run away from his hometown for some reason. Like he he said he would be dead if he'd stayed. And he tried to lose himself in the city. And I guess that's where he ran into Quan and started this whole deal. We get to the really short chapter, which I like your theory that it's like a whole movie thing. Brandon says in the annotations that he basically threw this chapter in there because it was going to be a couple chapters before we saw Sazed again. And he didn't want people, he wanted to just keep fresh in people's minds where Sazed was and what he was doing. Which is kind of the purpose of those scenes that you randomly would throw into a movie also, I guess. Yeah, just reminding that this is a subplot that's still occurring. And uh, Sazed is considering how Marsh seems kind of weird, which we talked about. And we find out that horses don't like Inquisitors, which, okay, I believe it. Who does? And we talk about how Marsh used to be called Iron Eyes, and now it's uh, creepily fitting. Yeah, that made me squirm a bit. <laughs> and Marsh kind of, Marsh tells Sazed that he should be in Luthadel. And Sazed is like, dude, I got I got stuff to do. I can't can't let one group of people monopolize all of my time. And Marsh is like, no, these people don't matter. You should be in Luthadel. Which is, oh, is a weird conversation. I don't know, like, it, because he's being all terse and weird, which we previously established. And now he's kind of trying to order Sazed around and not giving any explanation or not much of an explanation. He says the things happening in Luthadel are too important to ignore. It was also interesting that Marsh threw in the whole what about your friends thing, because, I mean, that's not something that you would expect an Inquisitor to say or, a, you know, just a button that they would try and press. It's like, like, yes, go do this, go do this. Think about your friends, man. Yeah, and, and yet Marsh doesn't say anything about, like, our friends. Marsh is like, what about your friends? Point. 
Although Masha was never exactly friendly with any of them. You're not wrong. That's a fair point. Kelsier's dead. He didn't have that much of a connection to the others, uh, really. I mean, we know that he communicated with Doxon. Like, he told Doxon about Vin in the first place. So there's some sort of relationship there, but... Yeah, they really just seem more like associates. Marsh doesn't seem like he makes friends easy. Yeah, I believe this. I was about to say, he's probably harder now with the spikes through his eyes, but... <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, we can't invite him to parties anymore. He just kind of stands in the corner, and it's really weird. He Nobody tried really speed dating, and it didn't really work. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wanted to sit at his table. They'd just kind of, like, stand awkwardly to the side, uh, hoping that he couldn't actually see them since he doesn't have eyeballs. But he knew he knew they weren't sitting there in front of him on purpose. <laughs> but one interesting note out of the chapter is after Marsh says, what about your friends? He says, I have sent help. What help I can. So what does that mean now? I feel like the conclusion they want us to draw is the Watcher, but I'm not sure. Hmm. It might be something else entirely that we haven't really spotted yet. I don't know that Sace would send this weird cloak and dagger guy who thinks he's insane to just, like, <laughs> hang out. I feel like that's not the kind of help he would send. Unless Sace knew Gemmel and uh, went out and talked to him. Possibly. I mean, we don't know what Sace was doing before. He showed up in the other book, but he wasn't hanging around the city with the others, so he could have been out and about. I think it's more likely that Sazed would have sent the terrorist woman. Oh, yeah. From the assembly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, I forgot we about see her. A mystery terrorist woman also. There's so many mysteries here, and it's... There's always another secret. Yeah, but I was going to say, it's... I think it's indicative of... And I was reading something about this the other day where somebody was posting on Reddit or something that that these books are interesting because the first book is kind of a heist, maybe even like maybe an adventure story about, you know, the young girl discovering magical powers and learning how to use them to overthrow the evil, whatever, so on and so forth. This book kind of switches genres a little bit, not out of fantasy. Clearly we're still in a fantasy story, but people described it as almost more akin to a political thriller than like the the heist of the first story or whatever. So I feel like that's indicative of that style of like a thriller where there's all this mysterious stuff happening at first and you're following threads to figure out what's going on. So the first one was Captain America First Avenger. This one's Winter Soldier. Yeah, actually. that's <laughs> And everyone knows Winter Soldier was the best one, right? So Yeah. Correct. Although Civil War is really cool also. Yeah. I guess Civil War is... I've... I, I, I feel like I enjoy Civil War more, but I think Winter Soldier's the better made movie. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of what genre Civil War would be. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's all sci-fi fantasy to me. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, and we, we wrap up this very short chapter with Sazed deciding, you know what? He's right. I'm going to go back to Luthadel after we're done. Which is a quick turnaround on his part, but uh, maybe good for us. We like Sazed, right? Assuming that what happens in the next few chapters isn't he falls into a trap set by Marsh in the convecticle and never makes it back to Luthadel. Although, I have to say, that would make this whole conversation like a huge asshole move by Marsh, where he's like, dude, you should be in Luthadel. Like, I'm about to like, <laughs> capture you in my trap, but you, you should have been there. Um, they really need unless you. this could potentially be... Um, his like uh, way of apologizing is like, I don't want to lure you into the trap. If you were in Luthadel, you wouldn't be. 
but I have to do this because you're here. Mm. He's trying to slip something in there secretly. Okay. I, 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 I can see that. Maybe trying to get him to turn around and leave now. Go now. I'll do this alone. No, you can't, you can't go. He wants to get to the conventicle and find all those thick books. <laughs> uh, okay, so we get the uh, the next epigraph about how Elendi is a uh, tall guy. His height struck me. He was a man who towered above others, a man who demanded respect despite his youth and humble clothing. So, fun fact about Elendi, he's tall. Who knew? And then we get the big uh, the big chapter uh, about politics, which Vin does not have a whole lot of patience for. So it's kind of fun to watch the whole thing from her point of view, where she's just like, those guys should just shut up and do what Ellen says. And so we, we get a look at how Ellen has put together this assembly in his new government. It's uh, The debates are public, so anybody can come and watch. There's noblemen and merchants and ska all on this assembly. And I guess what happens is somebody gets up and it's like, hey, we should do this thing. And then everyone yells until a decision is made about whether or not they should do that thing. Which, you know, reminds me a lot of anything I've watched of Parliament. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Nobody uh, nobody said government's fun to watch. Well, when they, when they start yelling at each other, that's fun, right? Uh, uh, if I want to watch people yell at each other, I can just watch like, you know. Judge Judy or Jerry Springer or something like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> or Judge uh, Jerry, because now he, that's a thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Re- oh, my God. Yep, Judge Jerry Springer, that's a thing. Well, he, he just wants some money. Judge Judy makes, like, ridiculous amounts yeah. of money for very little work, so. Right. I wish, uh, I wish that Judge Reinhold show was real, where he was a judge. <laughs> <laughs> From the Clark's cartoon. Yeah. Yep. Uh, sorry, I'm 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 kind of skimming through here because we don't need to go through every detail of the uh, parliament meeting because it, it really is just Ellen being like, okay, I want you guys to give me to to vote so that the assembly cannot give up control of the city until I've had a meeting with my father. And then people are like, some some people are like, no, we need to talk about the price of food. And other people are like, no, we should have just gone and given up the city already. And they're just, they're just just yelling, and everyone has their own idea about what should happen, and no one wants to agree with anybody else. Although there's one nobleman, Lord Penrod, who uh, Vin notes that people seem to listen to, and she's like, he, he gets more respect than Ellen, and she doesn't like that. Although we all know that uh, Ellen is a young, not-the-best-put-together guy, so like an older, kind of respectable, well-dressed nobleman would probably get a lot of respect in this group. Yeah, Ellen's like half a man. Penrod, <laughs> oh. Penrod's like, you know, a complete human being. Jeez. Like, well, where's, where's Ellen's yeah. famous speech-making skills now? Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, Vin's like half a person, too, so together they make a whole person. It's fine. <laughs> like, you, you just hate spook so much that you don't expect to come out from left field and be like, oh, also Ellen is like not oh, even a man. Let, so. let, me, let me be clear. I hate Spook and Elland. Uh, <laughs> I I can just um, you know with Spook it's just hard to stand when he's even speaking in a chapter. With Elland I can stand it and tolerate it, but he annoys me a lot. You, you can see what's going on inside Elland's head, and that's what you don't like. Whereas Spook, it's like right. it comes out of his mouth, not inside his head. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like ugh. But well, I did end- think it was interesting in this whole 
bantering back and forth and the debates in politics when someone else is trying to raise a point ellen gets in on the yelling and shouting as well and vin's just like why (laughs) it's it is funny that he just immediately devolves into but i feel like that's probably given what we know of ellen from the previous book that's probably his favorite part is getting to like debate things yeah and honestly his speech is not that bad I mean, he he gives a pretty decent little speech here, reasoning why he should, you know, they should let him meet with Straff first. But when they start, like, bringing up all these points, it's like, no, you know, this, that, and the other are reasons why that's not a good idea. He's just kind of like, I can't argue because they're right. Like, this is not the best idea, but it's the best idea that I've got. And all the th- problems that they're pointing out are legitimate problems that I can't really argue against. Like when Penrod points out, we all lived here during the Lord of Ruler's reign. We know what kind of guy your father is. And he's like, yeah, yeah, he's an, he's an asshole. I, don't, I, I can't argue that point. But in the end, he actually gets them to agree because Penrod feels like they need more time to figure out a way to negotiate with Strath and maybe give themselves some leverage so that uh, they don't look too weak, basically. So Penrod agrees to Ellen's plan for only that reason, not because he thinks Ellen can actually do anything. But Ellen doesn't care. He's got the votes for what he wants. It's sort of like, is Penrod a bad guy or is he not? Because he's like, he's getting Ellen the results he wants for his own ends. He's a former nobleman. So it could go either way at this point. He could be a really valuable ally or a horrible enemy. Yeah, it's true. I mean, just from the fact that he's in town and willing to take part in this new government, you got to assume he's more open-minded than, say, Straff Venture would have been in his place. But uh, he might just be more sneaky. And then I like how, uh, after all the yelling is done, Ham turns to Vin and is like, hey, good meeting, huh? Well, he loves <laughs> the debates. <laughs> Ham is in his element. And I, I like Vin's response that, I already overthrew one government. I figure that takes care of my civic duty for a while, <laughs> which that's fair. Yep. Try and argue that one. Uh, Ellen starts talking to Penrod and is like, no, the survivor would never have given up the city and then realizes how bad an idea that was because the noblemen do not feel the same way about Kelsier as the Ska do. <laughs> uh, know your audience, kid. Come on. <laughs> and Vin points out this mystery terrorist woman that we mentioned earlier. She's like, all the other terrorists come and meet me right away when they come to the city. This one didn't. She didn't thank me. There's something weird about her. Which I felt like that was just Vin sounding really full of herself. Like, every terrorist who comes into town comes and personally thanks me for uh, freeing their homeland. She didn't. But maybe, I think it's just right? her old paranoid attitude. Like, she always thinks of things that are different out of the ordinary and suspects them. Mm. So, it's just another one of those. Yeah, but I also feel like a lot of times she's right, so I, I think maybe there's something to what she's saying. It does seem unlikely that he'd throw in this whole conversation about the terrorist woman and not have it actually be significant in some way. It's just uh, from a, like, Chekhov's gun perspective. Yeah. But she still, she does sound paranoid, I'm just saying. And, uh... I never said, like, the paranoid was unfounded. No, not at all. In fact, it's it's funny that we're talking about that. I just... Uh, a friend for my birthday gave me this poster with uh, a Harry Dresden quote on it from, I, I think it's the first book, where he's like, paranoid? Maybe. But just because you're paranoid doesn't mean there's not an invisible demon about to eat your face. <laughs> Very Got to figure out where to hang that now. <laughs> <laughs> Mumbo? Perhaps. Jumbo? Jumbo. 
Perhaps, Perhaps not. not. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> We've been watching Futurama, too. The kids are experiencing it for the first time. Oh, so. wow. <laughs> Excellent. That's the wrong show, Dak. Yeah, yeah, close enough. <laughs> close enough. At least uh, my, my wife likes Futurama okay. She doesn't like The Simpsons at all, so we couldn't uh, watch that. Oh, wow. I know, right? What's wrong with people? That's uh, okay. I've man. heard that a few times. Yeah, my wife doesn't like either one, so. Uh-huh. Yeah. Good news, everyone. Now, there you go. That The kids are watching Futurama. That's the good news. <laughs> but we, we get to the end of the chapter, and it's not exactly good news. Well, it doesn't seem like it at first, anyway. A yeah, second so army perfectly. showed up. What did you guys think about the second army at the end of this chapter? Didn't one of us predict this? I, I don't remember who it was, but I think one of us predicted this, that like a second army yep. was going to show up. There, that was absolutely a prediction because we talked about what would a second army do if they showed up. Yeah. So I was, I mean, even before Bree said something, I was kind of on the the same side. I'm like, okay, this is good. This is good that another army's there because that's going to mean that there's more pressure on both of these armies, basically, with whatever whatever action they're going to take. So. Okay. Uh, well, let's get into that then. The The last epigraph here is, Elendi was a simple and genuous guy, and so he hired him as his assistant. In his first few months in the grand city, you know, little Elendi in the big city. Or I guess not. Little, <laughs> he was really tall, apparently. But big Elendi in the little city? No, nah, I don't think it's a little city. No, nah, nah, that doesn't work either. I don't know. <laughs> Elendi does Dallas or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh wow. Or, I'm sorry, Clenium. Elendi does Clenium. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so I like. Ellen's first line in the chapter, as they're standing on the wall and watching this new army show up, he's like, any chance they're here to help us? Uh, <laughs> kid. Oh, Alan, I hate you so much. <laughs> you know, I, I felt for this one. Like, he's already at the end of his rope. He's like, God, I've got to deal with this. And he sees another army show up. He's like, is there any chance this is going to be a good thing? <laughs> like, I, 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 I can get behind that. He's clinging to hope that, like, not everything is a shit sandwich. Yeah, no, I agree. But then it turns out that it, everything kind of is, so that's unfortunate. Mm. <laughs> Club's response is, they fly Seth's banner. Remember him? Guy who sent eight Alamantic assassins to kill you two days ago? He sure did. Uh, so, not uh, probably not friendly, is uh, what we learned from that. I do think it was weird when Club says... <laughs> Ellen, once again, trying to be optimistic, is like, maybe they'll attack each other? And Club's is like, no, you're dumb. <laughs> And uh, there's a, they see a man on horseback leaving Set's army and being chased. And Vin is the one who, using her tin, realizes that that is Breeze. And he's being chased by archers on horseback. And she's already kind of... Uh, now that she knows what Duralumen does, she's already taking advantage of it. She wasted absolutely no time. Tested it out once, and she's already like, okay, I know what to do. And she throws herself farther than ever possible before by using her Duralumen to fuel a push so that she can make it out there in time. And also the Duralumen to power her pewter so that her body doesn't rip apart from the force of how hard she's pushing. Which, that's always good, right? So Kind of necessary. Yeah. And while she's flying through the air, she downs another vial of metal so that she's ready to not hit the ground and pancake herself at the other end of this jump. And it leads to this scene where they're shooting arrows and she pushes them back that Brandon said it was one of the earliest ideas that he got was this picture of the arrowhead being pushed backwards so that it rips through its own shaft. Which, yeah, that's kind of cool. Very cool visual. <laughs> and smacks the archer directly in the forehead. I had to wonder what was going through that guy's head. 
Other than uh, the arrow. Aside arrow. from the arrow. <laughs> he spells it out for you right there. Yeah, it's just all... <laughs> it's like, oh, does he good. see it coming back? Just go, oh, that's not meant to happen. I doubt that... I think it was probably moving fast enough that he probably could not have told what was happening. Especially because you can't imagine... You're watching your arrow fly away. You, you probably can't comprehend of the idea of all of a sudden it's going to shoot back the other way and break through its own shaft. Did I buy a boomerang arrow? <laughs> I went to Green Arrow's store and bought some special. <laughs> Told you to buy boxing gloves. <laughs> Why is boxing glove always the first thought with those arrows? Because <laughs> I had the exact same that was, one. That was his trademark for a while there, wasn't it? That was the the one that he used the most. Maybe on the Justice League animated series. They, they tried very Maybe. hard to be, uh, or I guess it would be Justice League Unlimited when Green Arrow showed up, but. Uh, was he ever in Super Friends? That sounds like that sounds like a Super Friends thing to do. <laughs> it totally does. You're right. I don't know. Uh, okay, so she gets out there, and the riders, after she takes out this one guy... Pushes against the horseshoes. Yeah, I was trying to see... She's doing something in between there, where she's like... She pulls against the guy's armor to hit him and throw him off his horse, and... Uh, then she does the thing, because they're all wearing metal horseshoes, so she... She uses Duralumin again to push against all of them, while she's, like, in the middle of this group of riders with their arrows. Now they're using stone-tipped arrows, because they've realized that there's an Alamancer in play. And she gives a super push with Duralumin, and just scatters the horses. Which, you know those horses' legs are, like, all half-broken now. It's it's very unfortunate. She is just, like, going to tan on the animals in this book. You're not wrong. What's next? What what kind of animal is she going to find next? It's just... Hippo. Finn versus the animals. The hippo? I wouldn't feel bad if she took on a hippo. Hippos are mean. That would be cinematic. I don't know. Hippos like are, spend most of their time like in the water. I don't know how cinematic it would be to have like a little bit stick. <laughs> uh, okay. If, no. if, if, one, if one chased her across the ground, though, those things can run as fast as horses. That's true. And they hate people. Okay, anyway. Yep. There, no, no hippos. It's... <laughs> I like. She catches up with Breeze by using Pewter to run as fast as his horse. And then... Uh, jumps over the gate as he rides through the gate, which it's just, come on, Vin. Is that necessary? You you skipped over the best part of this chapter where she's running as fast as the horse and the horse is pissed. (laughs) (laughs) The beast eyed her as they ran, seeming to display a hint of animal frustration to see a human matching it. I figured that they'd be used to it by now. There's people who can burn pewter all over the place, right? Probably not usually running next to them. Yeah, okay, that's a fair point. You need a horse that can burn pewter. That would be a fast horse. That, that horse had dreams of competing in the Kentucky Derby, and Vin has just killed those dreams. He's going to go to the horse bar and get drunk. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it, it's like RDR2. She'd get some dishonorable points for that, for killing that horse. <laughs> I feel like the only the, the only way to truly match, you know, their abilities would be for Vin to be piggybacking somebody <laughs> at the same time. That's and then true. Also be like, now you know how it feels. It's a completely different thing, especially with Breeze. Breeze is a big dude. He's uh, not like tall, but he's kind of chubby. And I think they even talk about that here. I'm trying to find where we get back to Breeze. Yeah. They mentioned something about yeah. it. And, you know, he's, he's dressed all nicely because he's always wearing nice suits. And I like his little talk here. He's like, I, I do hate to force a rescue, but, well, if one is necessary, that might as well happen with style. That's, it's very Breeze. <laughs> and I agree. I've kind of missed him also, Dak. It's... Uh, He's, he's 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 a jerk and totally full of himself and stuff, but he's fun. Yeah, he's like he's a jerk, but he's our jerk. <laughs> uh, Ellen shows up and he's like, "Your Majesty, you're in good humor and health." 
health and good humor, I assume. And Helen's like, well, there is an army outside my city. And Clubs pops up. He's like, two armies, actually. <laughs> so, you know, technically correct. The best kind of correct. <laughs> and, of course, Ham. Breeze never wants to see Ham. But uh, the two of them are a cute old couple bickering. It's great. Oh, this is just made Ham's day. And we find out that Breeze has been the one getting these rumors going that the Adium is here to lure Set's army to show up at the same time as Ventures to create opportunity. <laughs> Club says, good plan, crazy, but good. And Priest is like, my mental stability is no issue here, Clubs. The move was not crazy, but brilliant. Ellen doesn't get it, but uh, Breeze explains that it's a basic negotiating strategy. When there's three parties, the weaker one actually has the advantage if they can turn the tide, depending on which way they go. And you have to wonder uh, which way is better here. If they have to pick one of these two, I feel like we don't know much about Set, but we know a lot about Straff, and wouldn't be my first choice, probably. Yeah, I was thinking Set's going to have to really up the up the ante to be more of a dickhead than Straff. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard, it's it's a high bar that Straff is set. So, well, sounds like we got a dickhead off. <laughs> <laughs> And here's here's where Breeze and Joe get along when uh, Spook shows up and Breeze is like, are you still an unintelligible nuisance boy? And Spook says, wasing the wear of not. Uh, Spook, but, um, you keep going, man. You're, you're doing yeah. great. Oh, man. Is he though? <laughs> yeah, he can keep going right into the grave. That'll be fine. <laughs> Ellen wants to go back up the wall to take a look at Set's army, and Breeze is like, I'm not going to climb those steps. I am tired. Okay? Get me a carriage back to the palace. And Ham's like, how can you be tired? Your poor horse did all the running. Which, I mean, like, riding a horse is not exactly a walk in the park. Like, especially no. when you're riding at the speed that Breeze was. Like, physically, you would still be worn the hell out. Yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> Breeze says that he and Set had a falling out before he left. And Ham's like, oh, he caught you in bed with his daughter, huh? And everyone laughs, because obviously Breeze uh, is... Breeze was anything but a ladies' man. <laughs> Says he's too focused on himself to consider <laughs> such things. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, maybe Set's daughter thought his butt looked good, just like they did <laughs> in the previous book, you know? Good callback. I like it. Breeze is like, what's that? And pointing to Orsor, and Vin's like, a dog? And uh, she keeps it a secret, at, le at least out here in the middle of the square when anybody might be listening. She doesn't want the crew to know that the dog is, in fact, her chondra. Which, which as you have to then wonder, what do the other guys think happened to Arasua? This is a fair question. I mean, they might be used to not seeing him. They just haven't, haven't seen him today, so they probably, you know, aren't necessarily expecting him to be there at all times. I guess. But it, it turns out to be uh, kind of lucky that she didn't reveal to everyone because of what happens here in a bit. Everyone's like, hey, this your dog's really well-behaved, Vin. And why'd you pick such a big dog for her, Ellen? And she's like, have you you fought her before, Ham? What did you think I'd give her, a poodle? So we know there's poodles in this world also. I just <laughs> The fauna of this world is very... Uh, aside from the bone blobs, the fauna of the planet is pretty familiar to us so far. Yeah, which begs the question, like, is there any animal that the ash, the amount of ash in their world... Um, basically killed off, you know? Yeah. So it destroyed their habitats, and then they're no longer able to live? That is a fair question. We haven't seen a lot of wild animals in general, and it might just be, be because we've been in Luthadel so much, or it might be because there are not really a lot of animals running around the place. Maybe but you got birds. No. 
No mention of birds. I don't know that that's. I mean, that's the kind of thing that there could be pigeons everywhere, and nobody would really mention it just as in a book necessarily. But yeah, I guess you're not wrong. They have to clean out the owl traps all the time. <laughs> so she's keeping secrets from people, and when they get in the carriages, Ellen's like, "Why?" And she's just like, "Eh, I'll tell them eventually." That didn't seem like the right place. Which yeah, that's fair. But also Vince just used to keeping secrets, as he kind of points out. And we find out a little more about the contract in that he says the contract is everything, mistress. It demands more than simple service. It requires diligence and devotion. It is the contra. By serving it, we serve our people. So they care a lot about the contract. We serve our people. Do they have like a society of bone blobs? This is the question. There is a hierarchy or something? <laughs> All power to the bone blobs. <laughs> I was going to say, like, the, the the guy at the top is like the, his blobbiness or the blobbiest. Like, do they have competitions? Like, who got the best body this year? You drank Ellen. our emperor! <laughs> <laughs> Ellen has modeled his government off the bone blob government. So oh, yeah. you find that the Kandra represented, the mistrates are represented. Um, you know, everyone gets a say. Yeah, this is this is how their society works. <laughs> Your boniness. <laughs> uh, so we get to the palace and the guards are like, oh, good. And a guard whispers, your majesty, our message, re- our messenger reached you then. And he's like, no, they're like we uh, don't want to be intrusive. Uh, so we didn't say anything, but we were wondering if everything's OK. And he's looking at Vin while he's talking, and Ellen's like, what are you talking about? And the guy's like, well, you know, the corpse in Lady Vin's room. (laughs) I love that line. (laughs) What? What did I do last night? (laughs) It's just like, and the captain's got to be thinking, like, what kind of freaky shit is going on up there? (laughs) You know, she killed the Lord Ruler. She's got to keep her, practice her stabbing. Yeah, she's doing like she's doing like Santeria up there. It's weird, man. <laughs> so we find out that uh, Orser is like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were gonna. I assumed you were going to dispose of these. He's like, oh, and should it, I bury that in the yard? It's it's the bones that uh, he was wearing before, or that he was using. He it says wearing. I don't. I feel like that's a weird term for it since they are inside. But so Vin, because she was too busy to deal with them at the moment, stuffed the bones in a basket. And the maids came in to clean and were like, hey, what's in this basket? (laughs) They called the guards. No, probably not. Yeah. It says the maids had been somewhat surprised. So what the (laughs) fuck are the maids doing? (laughs) I I also like how like because, you know, if I'm Vin, I'm like, oh, well, they found it. But then if you really think about it, it's like, what were the maids doing looking in my basket? (laughs) <laughs> like, you know, you gotta be like, well, maybe one of them tried is to that... lift it to move it to clean, and then they're like, this is heavy. What's in here? And maybe like, maybe it's like, the basket oh, with dirty like, clothes. Oh my god, Bonnie, you gotta see what this is. Uh, so we get Ellen has to tell the second in command of the palace guard, Captain Demu, which I don't know if you guys remember him from last book. Yep. Yeah. So he's uh, he's Ham's second in command he, he of was the there. palace guard. He was he was in the caves, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah. He's he's the guy that Kelsier uses his Alamancy to help him in a fight against the other guy. He's and got tries a bit to... of a rough life. He got sort of possessed during a fight. And now <laughs> he's got to deal with skeletons in the in the palace. I don't know. Oh it's he's... a literal skeleton in the closet. 
I think he's doing pretty well. He he went from a random ska who volunteered for, you know, Kelsier's army to, like, second in command of the King's Guard. Well, yeah, but he's seen some shit. You're not wrong. Including these bones. When nothing surprises <laughs> him anymore. Ugh, what do you want us to do with the corpse? <laughs> it's like, oh no, these bones were left here by my talking dog. Yeah. Alright, whatever. Yeah, yeah, Where did yeah, these yeah. bones come from? Oh, Ben Affleck was here earlier. Well... <laughs> Code seventeen. No. (laughs) (laughs) But when Ellen tells him that they already knew about the bones, Damon just nods. He's like, "Yeah, we figured it was something intentional." (laughs) Great. What is this guy thinking that I did? (laughs) He's like, "Yeah, we figured you. You know, you killed the Lord Ruler. You probably stabby stabby a lot of people and hide their bones." We just we just thought you were building wind chimes. Vin is like, he probably assumes I ate this guy or something, which is kind of what happened to him, to be fair. But uh, also we find out that Damu Damu wears a uniform when Ham doesn't, and he's very proud of keeping his uniform clean. So that's nice. But yeah, there you go. Vin got a new dog. So Ellen got her some bones for the dog. It makes complete sense. (laughs) Skulls also. Dogs like skulls, right? (laughs) Basically a bull. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's got a massive savage dog. He needs something. They need something a bit more durable. <laughs> Tennis and ball's not going to cut it. This is when he's like, "Okay, so great. Yeah, that's fine, Your Majesty. Uh, do you want us to dispose of the other body too?" <laughs> <laughs> I like how he didn't lead with their. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad. I'm, I like how he didn't lead with. Oh, there's there's two corpses in the the two corpses in her room. He just said, yeah, the one corpse. And he's like, oh, I just assumed you already knew about the other one. I was just con- I was just concerned about this one we found in the basket. Oh no, I don't think the, the other one's in her room. To be fair, the the thought that Amelia went through my head, and this is good. Like, I already know this is stupid as hell. But the thing that went through my head is like, did no one clean up the Lord Ruler's corpse? Has it just been rotting there the whole time? It's like, oh yeah, we'll stick this with the other one. I don't, I don't think that's right. Well, for one thing, this isn't like Lord Ruler's palace where his corpse started out. This is Keep Venture has now become Ellen's palace. But uh, yeah, I think I just forgot that in transition. It's like we carted the dead Lord Ruler to the, to the new palace, <laughs> put him in a closet, stuff him in the cupboard. <laughs> it's, it's like, man, we got to get the holy bones out of here, or else someone's gonna try and steal them. All right, we'll just 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 stick him in lockup. No one will look for them here. Didn't count on the maids. <laughs> Well, I put them in a basket. I thought they'd be safe in the basket. Why would the maids look in the basket? <laughs> it's like, oh. there's that whole thing in Red versus Blue with, like, the skull of Church's old buddy that kept showing up in random places. And it's like, that's going to be the Lord Ruler's skeleton. Yep. They're at the Well of Ascension. They open up a separate pack. It's like, what's even in this? Is this more food? Oh, God, what are the bones doing here? <laughs> I thought Maybe we would like brought a, these. Maybe it'll be like a weekend at Bernie's situation. You know, they just <laughs> oh. casually put the skeleton everywhere. <laughs> Like, yeah. Just, just prop him up. Orisaur's gonna, gonna try the Lord Ruler's bones and just like, hey guys, it's me! <laughs> See, we, we talked, <laughs> so, somebody theorized early on that you could pay the Conjurer by like, I have these nice bones for you. If that was the case, the Lord Ruler's bones would have to be worth something, right? Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, they brought in dogs when they found the skeleton, and they didn't find a killer, but they found another set of bones shoved in a closet somewhere. Mm. In well, the visitors' chambers. More bones. 
And they were so well hidden that if they hadn't had the dogs uh, looking for because for corpses, they probably would never have found these bones. And Orsor confirms for us that this is another corpse that was eaten by a Chandra. Not not Orsor. He's like, not one of mine. Just putting yeah. that out there. It's like but they shut the door, and Ellen's like the like the judging parents looking at the child. <laughs> just goes well, and Orso's <laughs> like, ah, I don't know, man. This was nothing to do with me. Yeah, he's like, I, I I've never seen these bones before. I don't even know what these bones smell like. Like, uh, <laughs> I I was just holding them for a buddy. These are not my bones. <laughs> <laughs> and Vin Vin's like, well, wait, maybe they're from last year, and your father's conjurer left some bones in the closet, meant to come back for him, and just you know never got the chance. But uh, Orsor says that the scent is so strong that it is a few hours old at most, maybe less than that, meaning that these were abandoned a few hours ago. The conjurer must have found a new body within that time. So someone in the palace has been eaten and presumably their position, uh, their identity stolen by a different conjurer. And when I say identity stolen, I, of course, mean that this conjurer is going to run up their credit card bill and... uh, Take out some loans. Right, the mini bar. Yeah. So uh, Vin starts to think about who it could be, and no, there's no good options here, basically. There's a very good chance the chapter ends by saying that one of the core team, a member of Kelsier's former band, was now an imposter, and that is the end of part one of The Well of Ascension. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. So... Before we get into the theoreticalizing, theoretizing, theorizing, rewriting the predictions for the (laughs) new will. No, no, I'm not not doing it. Yeah, we're keeping predicaments. We we changed the theme song. I just want to sure we changed the. (laughs) Before we get into predicaments, and actually, what I was going to say was before we begin theorizing about who the conjurer might have eaten, which I want to say for predicaments, does anybody have some final thoughts on these chapters? Nope. Okay. We are now 16% of the way through the book already, and we have finished part one. So if the the way the parts were divided in the previous book, there's some pretty major story differences between the parts. So we may be about to take a left turn if this one uh, parallels that in any way. So predictions for the predigments section. Primarily, who do you think is going to turn out to have been conjurified, uh, if anyone? I mean, I assume it's somebody. They assume it's somebody. But hey, maybe maybe it's a red herring. Like communism. I'm going to keep saying that. It's just keep making that clue reference because why not? Yeah. Yeah, Clue's a good movie. I watched it like last week. So what do you guys think? Predictions for predigments. Well, I was thinking if, we, if we're looking at a core team member, my, my first thought was Doxin because uh, like the, the Kandra would be able to imitate anybody, but if they had to use any of their Alimantic skill, I don't know that they would be able to because they're not alimantic Mm. but then i was sort of thinking well if they did consume a body that was alimantic would they be able to do any of these things or you know if the kandra are now experienced enough that they can replicate voice boxes and things like that like they're not they're not conforming exactly to what the body was you know maybe maybe they have an ability to do that i don't know but i thought doxin would probably be the the best choice it would also be the closest probably to Ellen to get information mm. and actually get I mean, getting access to Ellen. Everyone would in the core team would be able to do that. But I think from Doxon, you know, he's always sort of been that facilitator, you know, that would be a really good position to have a spy in. I also sort of thought that what if 
what if one of the core team has already been a spy this whole time and maybe the bones we found are from one of our our friends Ooh. and now they're moving on to somebody else so so like uh, even ooh. even into the last book well i mean maybe i mean there's a year that's gone by you know we don't know how uh, okay. long okay someone's you know been been around so I, I would say probably not the last book but if you know if you were Straff Venture and you wanted to get some information about how the city's working and things like that I probably wouldn't wait until I'm about to launch my attack to plant somebody I'd probably want to be collecting information before I rocked up at their doorstep hmm, that's a good point whether it's straps whether it sets you know or or someone completely different don't know yeah so lots of thoughts but if, if I had to pick someone out of the core team at this point I think Doxon would be the logical choice for me okay so if if these bones belong to somebody that was already being personated, somebody we already know, and now they found the bones, so the Kandra can't get them back, does that mean that this person is going to disappear from the book at this point? Like, we're not going to see them again, and we're not going to know what happened, and then it will turn out that this was really their bones? I mean, it could do. I, I, Possible. Yeah. I don't know whether someone for a whole bunch of time. I mean, can a Kandra jump between bodies? Like, do they have to consume the flesh to be the, the body, or do they consume the bones, and because they've already consumed the flesh, they can be that person again? Like, can you can you jump between? Hmm. That's an interesting point. Because, I mean, if there's bones, they're dead. Like, we will never see the original person again. But could you – yeah, could you jump between them? I think that would be a really cool thing to be able to do. But then I guess you'd never really know who was missing, who you could trust. You know, who do you never see in the same room at the same time? <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, think, and does it take some time every time you were to become that person? Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, Orisua became Kelsia pretty much within the same day, so that didn't, ta- didn't seem to take too much time. Yeah, but they did say that I mean, he didn't look quite right. Oh, uh, yeah, good point. Another thing that could have happened too, I mean, we've had some of our friends have been out and about. Maybe, maybe Spook coming back was coming back into the city as a Kandra. Someone's got him outside and that's been their way into the city, mm. into the castle, and now they're taking on someone a bit closer. So, you know, maybe we are looking at a couple of our friends who have already been uh, <laughs> consumed, attacked, I don't know. Turns out everyone in the group is a Kandra, <laughs> except for Vin. <laughs> uh, oh, no, Vin's well, they also... Are, they have people. <laughs> so I guess... Yeah, we'll see where that plot point goes. Is is there anybody that we can like say is not like definitely not? I Vin presumably we can since everything's from her point. I was of view, about to say not. Vin <laughs> presumably is not a Condra. But I mean, we know. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone else you really can rule out because like we didn't even see any of Ellen's perspective in this one, so like it could be him for all we know. We, we know that Breeze just got into town. Yeah, so I thought it would be unlikely him. that it would be Breeze. Yeah. But yeah, everybody else may be up for. Okay. And I, I think it's an interesting question what you brought up. Can they use the allomancy of the body that they've taken? Because then presumably they could have had another Mistborn in Orsor using Kelsier's body, if you could do that, which would be useful, even though he can't kill anybody. So maybe it wouldn't have been that useful. Hmm. Interesting. Vin's okay. <laughs> going, I don't have any Mistborn buddies. And Orsor was like, I tried. <laughs> so um, let me think. I, I had a theory before we started, but then after rereading a part, I don't know how solid it is, but I'm still I'm gonna still go with it. So <clears throat> the biggest question 
questions from these chapters are, uh, who's this Watcher guy? He's insane. I don't know. I really don't think it's, in my personal opinion, I really don't think it's Gemmel. It's got to be some weirdo we don't know yet. But anyway, with the Orser, with the Condra situation, this is a thought I had because I thought at first that they found the other set of bones in Vin's closet. And I was going to be like, oh, well, that's weird. But then rereading it, they found it in the closet of a visitor's room, whatever. But I'm going to still go with that original theory that I made based on that, which is actually that another Chandra was, you know, in some kind of human body. But instead of instead of taking another human body, my theory or my prediction is that the other Chandra actually ate Orser and became the dog. And so now we've got oh. this other Chandra pretending to be Orser so that he can be close to to then for whatever spy stuff is going on because when you when you think about it especially from an outsider's perspective the most powerful person in Luthadel is not going to be Elend it's going to be the the girl who killed the lord ruler from that outsider's perspective anyway if they're smart enough which you know if if it is Straff that sent this this conjurer then i'm guessing he's smart enough to know well he he would obviously underestimate his own son but this this yeah. woman that killed the lord ruler he'd be more interested in getting close to her and figuring out what she's about. So he may have sent, he may have sent the watcher and the Chandra. I don't know, but um, that's, that's my prediction is that that Chandra is actually, is actually Orser now. Like it's pretending to be Orser. Do you think that that Chandra would have known the, that Orser was the other one? Well, that depends. Maybe they can detect different Chandras. Like yeah. Chandras can detect other Chandras. <laughs> Or if you walked in on Orser eating that dog, you might have been like, oh, there's the Contra. I'm going to eat it. That's interesting because we know mm. the contract forbids them to kill a human. You think that they consider another Contra like less life, less valuable than a human if they have their own society and everything like we've kind of implied here? Well, yeah, if their contract prevents them from killing humans, I'm, I mean, that is specifically human, which would also make it extremely difficult for an outside Contra to come in and take another person's body because potentially they couldn't kill that person. So you need um, somebody else to do the killing. That's a good point. Exactly. So is that a standard, um, is that a standard though in, in every contract or is that a standard in Orso's contract? Oh, that's that's a good question. I don't know, but I think, I don't know. It just seems like two conjures in one palace and Orser doesn't seem to know specifically about it. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like mysteries should be able to sense, sense each other. But maybe I mean that's not a, something that's ever been I guess said. But hmm. well, that see now, now you got me thinking about the the various implications of that. So if he was he could have lied about everything he told them if that was the truth. Although now that I think about it, the smartest move would have been to be like, oh yeah, no those bones I left those there too a different time because then <laughs> then they wouldn't be looking for a spy. But yeah. I don't I don't know. It's like oh shit I forgot about that one. There's a lot of there's a lot of interesting <laughs> potential w- with that. Uh, I kind of I, I, I like this idea. Yeah, I don't know. It just seemed it seemed more plausible to me. Which you know, Jamie makes a good point. Maybe it's not standard in every Condra's contract that they can't kill humans. But it just seemed more logical to me that another Condra would be hunting down the other Condra so that it could stay in plain sight, as opposed to trying to sneak around. Or maybe maybe if the other part of your theory about how the Watcher and the other Condra working for the same person maybe the yeah. watcher like snuck in and killed somebody for him yeah it's possible that's possible okay that's that's really interesting i like that theory that's uh that is thinking about it in a way that i had not before okay Dak, what do you got so when i first read the whole 
it could be anyone and list off all the people that it could have been. My mind immediately went to, well, it's not going to be any of those people. That's like a red herring um, yeah. in the same way that the epigraphs for Elendi were a red herring for uh, Rashek. The more I thought about it, the more I thought, nah, that's, that's probably not. They're, I think it probably will be one of those people. I'm not sure which. My money was sort of on Ham because I feel like he's the one who has the most established, laid-back, chill personality, the most amiable one, so he'd be the one you're least likely to suspect. Mm. And from a, from a practical perspective, he's the captain of Ellen's guards, so he has easy access to Ellen anytime he wants, whereas the others probably have to make appointments for meetings and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Ham is the most likely suspect, but I'm not entirely 100% sold. I sort of thought, who do these bones belong to? And I sort of went back to the uh, the terrorist woman. I thought maybe she's come in. That was that was the Kendra getting in the door, and now they've shed that terrorist woman's bones and gone and taken someone else. Because mm. I feel like those bones showed up at the, like not long after the terrorist woman did. So I feel like that's very much a Kendra going. All right, the, like this body I, has expended its use. Now I need to get further in. That would be a good explanation for our mysterious terrorist woman. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Because we didn't actually speak to her in the end, so we don't know anything about her. So I feel like she she was just that was just a candor going cool, getting in, I'm done, move on. I guess yeah. also because you had that exchange um, about you know Vin's too too suspicious and paranoid over this person, so this person's obviously significant coming up. But Ham was there too. She would see that Ham was close enough to Ellen, and maybe that's how she scouted. If if this is right, yeah, yeah. if he's right, That's maybe possible. she scouted the next person because Ham didn't go. Oh no, Ham did go to the he, wall, the gate. He was, he oh, was yeah, there at he some did. point, yeah. But they did make a point. It took a bit of time before he got there. Yeah. Mm. Ham is also interesting because Ham is the only one that we know of that has like family that would recognize if his personality had changed. Whereas, as far as we know, nobody else like has somebody that close that uh, could notice that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm. They'll find out when Ham wears a shirt and they'll go, <gasps> <laughs> Sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> when they were listing all this off, my mind thought, oh, a mystery's afoot. We're either going to call in Scooby and the gang or else Daniel Craig from Knives Out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm so excited to see where this mystery goes. I love a good whodunit mystery. This is, it's like this is they fantastic. Do, they do the Scooby-Doo, pull the mask off the end, and it's like, like this isn't ham at all. It's old man blob bones. <laughs> <laughs> but the question I is... I would have gotten now, away with it, too, if it weren't for you meddling kids. Like, who has to solve, <laughs> who has to solve this mystery? Who, who gets to play detective this book to figure out what the who's, who really is the conjurer? Maybe that's why Say's just going to show up. He's going to play detective. Mm, he's already kind of doing that. Doing detective NCI, or, uh, CSI stuff. Yeah. He, he uses copper mines to notice things the others don't, and he's able to sort of work out the mystery. He notices the the, the dot of blood on Vin's shoe and <laughs> realizes the entire time who it really was, somehow. Every time Ellen tries maybe, to lie... Maybe Vin uncovers a... a, a, a I, I don't know, like, a, 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 another medal. What are we up to? 15, 16... And she has, like, the Batman detective vision. Ooh, detective vision. That would make no sense in context of the story, but it's still cool. I mean, they've made seeing past versions and future versions of, of things make sense, so <laughs> how is this one a stretch? That's fair. Okay. Okay, I like 
I like uh, that we've all got different theories going different directions about the identity of the Conjurer. It's going to make the mystery interesting as we continue. Uh, and then it turns out we'll all be wrong, and it was just Philip the Cook. <laughs> yeah, just Bob. Yeah. Poor Bob. Well, that's it too. I mean, you could you could send someone in there who would be not really noticed that well. Yeah. Um, Beneath suspicion. You know, have a maid. They have access to all sorts of areas. They do seem to be the ones finding the bones. They are finding the bones. They so, are quite yep, suspicious going yep, through yep. the basket. So. I mean, is isn't that a thing as well in crime fiction? It's like whoever finds the body, you need to look at them because they might be trying to. Oh my God, I found this. You're the one who put it there. Captain Damu, maybe. Ooh. You know. Ooh, or, here, here, here's a thought for you. We had the whole conversation where Vin was like, I'm sure someone has thought of uh, something so clever as making a Contra be a dog before, but they wouldn't have shared that secret. So we know that Damien brought the dogs in and they found the bones. Maybe one of those dogs. Oh, that's an interesting spin on that. Yeah, full circle. I like okay. it. Okay, yeah. Who let the dogs out? <laughs> oh, <laughs> just... Just just ruin it. Just ruin my whole thing. Fine. Be that way. We have two emails, okay? okay? All right. <laughs> first, uh, first we have uh, Retro Rocket wrote again. And uh, once again, wanting some responses to some quotes, some of which we've already talked about, so I won't uh, do all of them, but we'll hit on a couple of these. He says that we were all talking about Ashweather's name and making fun of it as, like, Cloud Sky or Thunder Snow. But Retro Rocket thinks that Ashweather sounds cool. So, take that. (laughs) And then he says, uh, (laughs) even though it's kind of fun to make fun of Dak and his volcanoes, I do enjoy his presence on the show. I've listened to all the episodes at least twice, and I think at some point everyone has made at least one out of the blue correct prediction. Not all of which were in the predictions slash predigments section. So he wants to show his correct predictions are never in the prediction section. (laughs) (laughs) He wants to show his appreciation for Dak. He enjoys his presence on the show. There you go. Thanks. Yay, Dak. He brings up one quote where she says her wounds from the night before, now firm bruises, were a reminder of her place. They were healing well. She'd been burning pewter heavily all day, but she'd be stiff for a while yet. And so he says, in the previous book, Vin was warned against burning metals too much. Do you think that she will experience side effects from this here? I can see that. Honestly, I thought she was going to get some wicked side effects from the durolinium burning. Like, especially when she was using pewter in conjunction with it. She's burning stuff so hard and so fast that I was like, that can't be good for her. Like, something's going to happen to her body. We saw the pewter drag last time. Yeah. So, yeah, pewter drag was definitely a side effect of burning a lot of pewter uh, over a long period of time. So, so whenever it's possible, like, you could get the equivalent by burning a bunch of pewter really fast with Duralumin. That's an interesting thought. I mean, the way Kelsier described it, it was like you've been using the pewter to push yourself past where your body would have basically shut down from being too tired. So that's see to me, that feels like kind of a long term thing. But I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I guess I I feel like you could push your body to the limit as well, though. It's like if you're if you're just like blasting off and going way beyond what your body's potential limits would be very quickly. I feel like it would have a similar effect like. I don't know, like bones cracking or something bad like that. Mm, That's fair. One other quote that he had in here was where uh, Spook shows up wearing his fake beard and says, wasing the wear of calling out. And he says, just because it's basically a meme by now, I figure I'd put this in here. My translation of it is basically, that is where I was called. That is what I was called when I was here. Because he says it right after uh, Ellen realizes that that's Spook. 
and Retrorocket says, I think his language isn't as incomprehensible as you guys make it out to be. It's just super weird. It's not that it's so much that it's incomprehensible as it is obnoxious. It's like it's it's one thing for, you know, if maybe he was he was speaking in a language that had some deeper meaning. But no, he's just throwing words together in a different order and saying, this is what I'm saying. Figure it out. Like, that's the part that's it's it's not that it's hard to figure it out. It's that it's obnoxious and I don't really have the yeah. patience for it. It's it sort of started when he was first saying these sentences and we're just like, what? We don't get that. And we all had a bit of a laugh about it and just thought, oh, you know, it's a it's a bit weird, but we were getting the swing of it. And then it turned out he could actually still speak normally and chose to do this. And that was when we all really turned on him. <laughs> okay. Our other email is from Michael. And Michael tried at first uh, the Sanderlanch at gmail.com with no E at the end of Sanderlanch. It is like Avalanche. It, it, it has an E at the end. And so he had to send a second email that was like, I got the address right this time. But uh, I thought that was a good, po- a, a good, good place to plug that out there it's like that there's an e i know because i sometimes start to misspell it too that's why i've mentioned several times like hey remember this but he says hey all what i most wanted to say is that i love joe's hopes for the watcher to be a new character someone interesting and vogue you were all talking you all were talking about dax thought that the watcher will be gemmel and joe tossed out his own idea i'm so interested and excited for the group's opinion of the eventual reveal so we've got a little more this time, but not quite what you'd probably call a reveal yet. We still don't know who this guy is. Also, he says the black background logo looks sick for the new episodes or for the new book. Rather, I'm using the same per episode images uh, numbering system as I did in the first book. But I've changed it to be white on black instead of black on white just to make. Yeah, it up now it's metal. Cool. <laughs> And so that's what he means when he says the black background logo looks sick. He also recommends jumping into secret history if we're not going directly to Arrow 2 after this. But we're still a ways from there. But uh, thank you, Michael. I'm I'm taking all the opinions that come in on that into consideration as we're deciding what we're going to do. And uh, I am also excited uh, about what uh, to see what the group will think when we eventually figure out what's up with the Watcher. I'm sure they're excited to figure out. <laughs> uh, well, it's also one of those things like... So, so many other times we've had the mystery where we throw out theories and then it gets re- revealed in the next chapter. So yep. for once, we've got a mystery that's actually dragged on for a few chapters. Yeah, although I think we decided in the last group of chapters we didn't even get a mention of him. So it's kind of it bounced back to him this chapter pretty hard. Yeah, I guess. Uh, okay, those were our emails. Thank you, Retro Rocket and Michael. We appreciate all of the emails, we the the kind words and the, uh, the questions and thought-provoking discussion topics. If anyone else wants to send an email, it is the Sanderlanch with an E at the end at gmail.com. You can also send us things on Twitter or Facebook, or you can Instagram things. I had someone, someone on Instagram talking about, uh, I got to bring it up because it was just a funny conversation. If I can actually get my Instagram to load. So someone said they seconded the person who wrote the hate mail once a week is torturous, but love the episode. Can't wait to see what comes next or can't wait for them to see what comes next. And Banjo Bob replies to that person. It's an awesome Instagram name, by the way, Banjo Bob, uh, and says, <laughs> I third this. Also, I think Data said a bit too much this episode. I kept thinking, stop talking, stop talking. You're giving things away. To which I replied, uh, to which I replied, oh, man, if you want to hear me just straight up giving stuff away without intending to wait till next week. Thankfully, I think all of this is oh. far more obvious in hindsight than it will ever be to these first timers on the show. Oh, so we've been getting secret oh. nuggets that we didn't we didn't know. Potentially. 
And then he responds again, no, stop it. If you give it away, they won't be surprised. <laughs> oh, don't worry. We're just as clueless as always. <laughs> and then he says, also, this is data, right? Do Dak, Joe, or Jamie read this? There's something I've been itching to say since episode one we or two. Now. Something We've about a prediction. We all pulled this up on Instagram. So <laughs> yeah. we're all, sorry, both we Dak do... and I have got it open and we're reading along with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you guys post something on Instagram and a comment, we're pro- we might see it. Whereas if you like DM data, we're not going to, or email. Well, and that's what I, I replied to Banjo Bob finally, that this is data and they might read this. But if you send something to the standardlance at gmail.com, I will be the only one to see it, and I can respond there to whatever questions. So that's the whole reason that I brought up the Instagram exchange was to encourage people, hey, if you have something you want to throw out there, if you are like Banjo Bob and have a comment that you want to make but you don't want to spoil these guys on it, feel free to email. I have responded uh, to several emails that we've gotten that I never bring up on the show because they are purely questions or comments for me. So feel free. You're not going to accidentally spoil anyone by emailing something. You might if you leave a message on Facebook or Instagram or something like that. So uh, I think that's everything we need to touch on. Um, Music by Miracle of Sound. Always throw that out there. And for next week, we are reading chapters 12 and 13. Back down to two chapters. It's like good old times. Uh, Ooh, it's going to be a a meaty couple of chapters, eh? Indeed. Indeed. The first two of part two, Ghosts in the Mist, is the name of part two. So, yeah, shall be interested to see. Uh, you guys have any final thoughts before we sign off? One thing that I thought of in the days leading up to it, actually, I think it was like we were watching Fellowship of the Ring last night, and then the the monster in the water with the tentacles attacked, <laughs> and Jamie made a joke. It's like, oh, it's the deepness, and I was going, oh yeah, <laughs> and then. I don't know what made me think of it, but for some reason I thought of the Mistborn cloak and all the tassels that hang off, and I thought, wait a minute, why are we talking about the deepness having tentacles? The Mistborn cloaks are all tentacles! <laughs> Maybe that's where they got the idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah! Maybe the Mistborn are the deepness. Ooh. Oh my god. <laughs> well, I mean, Quan, Quan did say what, whatever it was. It's like, um, if a Lendi took the power, then it'd be, it could be worse than the deepness. So maybe it's like the Alamances are the deepness taking over the world. That was what Quan was trying to prevent. Mm. They kind of have, like yeah. We're passing, I feel like we're passing a joint around with these theories. <laughs> it's, it's no, like, I don't feel like crazy. What if the Alamances are the oh. deepness, man? Whoa. <laughs> oh, but what if, what if, what if after they were the deepness, what if they like, what if the deepness is inside all of us, man? <laughs> What if, like, each piece of us, like, any time we consume Ash, we're, like, uh, consuming the deepness, and he, like, uh, transubstantiates himself inside of us, you know? Did, did you ever so, realize? Sorry, you, you, were, you were just saying, uh, you were saying that, it, you know, if we consume the Ash, that's part of the deepness. Are you saying that volcanoes <laughs> are the deepness? Whoa. I mean, totally, man. I mean, volcanoes. Dak lost it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever realize that the, the, the fingers are like the tentacles of the hand? Whoa. Uh, Whoa. I was trying to force the trip, like, why is the floor as low as, <laughs> as, I, low can as I can go? go. Yep. Okay. Oh, gosh. I forgot where we were before this started. Oh, it was uh, far out, man. Oh, I, I do have to note, though, that I... <laughs> I, I think it's awesome that you guys move into a brand new house, get all your DVDs unpacked, and the first thing is like, why don't we throw Lord of the Rings on? Fellowship of the Ring, why not? 
It's just, you know, it's something we've seen a million times. It's like if we fall asleep, it's like we're missing anything. It's not like a movie we've never seen before. Do you do do the extended version or the theatrical cut? I don't think we have the The theatrical cut. The extended edition. We've got the extended. Yeah. Yeah. Who has the theatrical cut? God. (laughs) Rookie rookie move with the theatrical cut. Who would do that? Okay. Before we just, just go deeper into any sort of whole... Thank you for listening, everybody. Two chapters for next week. If you're reading along with us, 12 and 13, and we will see you then. Yeah. Remember, everybody, the deepness is inside of you. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't remember that. Don't. It, no. And we try, try, try to keep a little beauty in the world. Never let it fade